I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. Evening all, welcome back to Met the Criteria. Uh, season preview season is nearing its end. We're getting mightily close now to the start of the 2020-21 season. Just a few more teams to get through. Uh, Jared on the mic this week taking the lead alongside me as always. Um, is a man who recently cheated on his podcast with another podcast. Explain yourself, Theo. I honestly regret nothing. Um, going on to BFK to UK was probably the greatest decision I've ever made. I have lodged my, my formal transfer request with uh, with the senior management um, and you probably won't see me again around these parts in the near future. So, Matt, Cammy, Aidan, I'm coming. Well, in the trade package, we just want a bag of beans back. That, that'll do. So, there we go. Uh, and alongside me, a, a loyal podcaster alongside me also is Vinny. How are you, mate? I'm doing well, brother. I'm doing good. Honestly, that just made me laugh a little. That was brilliant, Theo. It's like you, you kind of reminiscing the James Harden moment for me right now. <laughs> Listening, you know, we see Jared right now, Theo not turning up to any meetings we have with each other, ignoring any messages we say. He's actually forcing this move. <laughs> yeah, we can see it happening. The writing's on the wall, in it? Also alongside Prepare to get us. uncomfortable. <laughs> Prepare to get uncomfortable. Anyway, uh, enough, enough from us. Um, it's it's season preview season as we say we've got a great guest lined up today um, a strong member of the NBA in the UK community uh, it's Joe Joe Hulbert how are you Joe are you okay yeah I'm doing very well thank you very good awesome good to see you mate thanks very much for making the time for us this evening uh, so Joe uh, you are a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, uh, but you do a lot of work covering the Dallas Mavericks. So we just want to find out a little bit more about you, first of all, before we get into the teams. Um, how is it that you got into basketball um, and what led to you working uh, covering the Dallas Mavericks team? Yeah, so between 2008 and 2012, uh, I lived in America, uh, New York. When I first moved out there, I, um, I didn't actually like basketball, probably because I was watching the Knicks. <laughs> um, I got into it in 2012, so the first championship I saw was LeBron's first with the Miami Heat when they had D-Wade, Chris Bosh, uh, Shane Battier, Mike Miller, all those guys. Uh, but then I became a Timberwolves fan. I just chose them at random because I didn't want to you know, be a bandwagon. Uh, I'm at most people who choose the team will just choose who's at the top or like the one team they've heard of. I wanted to be a bit different. Um, and then, yeah, I was kind of interested in the tactical side of the game like I am in the other sports I follow, so... I started writing. It was mainly match reports I was writing and like, you know, mock drafts and stuff like that. But then uh, around 2017, I kind of stepped up my writing and went a little bit more in depth, covered the Miami Heat. And then I moved on to covering the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I I have covered um, the Timberwolves before, but prefer to just be a fan of the Timberwolves. I don't always want to, to cover the team I support because I like watching the games as a fan. Uh, that's why I don't cover the Timberwolves that much. Yeah, no, I, I think I could certainly understand why you wouldn't want to cover your team necessarily as as part of your work because I'm sure that would make it the whole experience that bit more stressful because you've got dual interests kind of thing. Um, who would you say your favourite player on the Timberwolves is uh, on the current roster? I know we're, we're here mostly to talk about the Mavericks, but we want to let you talk about your your favourite team, the T-Wolves, as well. Um, probably Ricky Rubio. He was the... So when I... St- chosen was 2012 the exciting storyline was that he was coming over from Barcelona because they drafted him in 2011 took a year to come over um sorry no 2010 they drafted him he took a year to come over so yeah he's just you know probably not the answer you were expecting but he's fun to watch it's like watching a Spanish playmaker you know just the way he sees the game and he's underrated you know he's been underrated the whole time he's been in the league he's a great defender improved shooter yeah, he's he's been my guy really since the Kevin Love and Kevin Martin days. He's just always every team he's ever played on, he's made them better. He was a big part of what the Suns did last year. Mm. Big platforms to go and get on Chris Paul. So, you know, hopefully he can have that kind of an impact on his second spell here. I'm a bit of a um I'm a bit of a Timberwolves fan. They're a bit of my second team, as Vinny would say. Um and I'm a little bit disappointed that you didn't go with D'Angelo Russell there. Um, I've got a lot of, lot of love for D'Lo. Ricky Rubio is, is a is a class player, though, and I'm looking forward to seeing that that relationship grow between the two of them. That should be pretty exciting. 
Yeah, I think Rubio can hide a lot of Delo's flaws because Delo's two flaws are one, he's a very bad defender, one of the worst in the league, in my opinion. Probably bottom ten, bottom five, you know, in that range. But Rubio can cover him. And Delo as well, when he was on the nets, he yeah, he was good on the nets, but he I don't think he's a player I'd give as much usage to as he kind of would probably want. I don't think he's in that James Harden, Trey on Luka Doncic level. So Rubio is going to allow him to play off ball when he is a good shooter, moves well off the ball, he's quite fast. Uh, he's got a bit of size on him as well. So I, I think he's a good fit. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Rubio was starting by the end of the year because at the moment they're going with Josh Okogie. Um, I would imagine they'll try and kick Okogie down to the three and then maybe you can stick Rubio in. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see that happen pretty early in the season. Yeah, certainly an exciting uh, sort of tandem to watch work together. Rubio's experience helping Russell along the way. I like what you said earlier, Joe, when you said that uh, you stepped up your writing in 2017. We just you were now you were announcing yourself. Joe is here. Joe is covering the Mavericks. Here we go. So let's talk about last season for the Mavs. Uh, what were your thoughts as you as you followed them through uh, Luca's sophomore season? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's a highlight reel uh, every time he steps on the court. I think the biggest thing they did was was get rid of Harrison Barnes because I think Barnes took the ball out of Lucas' hands a lot in his rookie year. Um, you know, Barnes can be a good player, he's a good shooter and he's an underrated defender, but the issue with him is is he he takes a lot of stupid shots. Well they surrounded they surrounded Luca with obviously Paul Zingis, but I, I really enjoyed Tim Hardaway as well. You know, th- this was a team that I don't think they were built for a championship run but I don't think they were actually that far off winning that playoff series against the Clippers. I think if Paul Zingas stayed healthy, I think they would have won it. Um, Carlisle was coaching rings around Dot Rivers, which probably one of the reasons why Dot lost his job. But it was it was a really good season. The, the frustrating thing was Dallas were terrible in the clutch. So they lost a lot of close games that, you know, some would put it down to a young team. I just put it down to historically bad luck as well. Like the thing with clutch stats is they... Um, they fluctuate year on year. So theoretically, if Dallas turn, you know, five or six of those losses into wins, um, then, then you know, that's a team pushing for home advantage. And that's what I expect this year. Also, um, I was distracted by the... By the Absolutely, so was I. I'm sorry that I'm giggling there, mate. For the listeners, I'm, I'm sorry. Because I don't sorry. think he was watching. Theo was, so was absolutely I was... choking to death on camera right then. I had to cough, and then the time it took me to hit the mute button, I was stifling it for that long, and it just overcame me. <clears throat> I just need a minute. I need a minute. His eyes are, are full of water. He's absolutely Joe. What an absolute professional holding it together there, yeah, trying to I... get trying to give your answer. While, you know, <laughs> well, I was close. From, you did really, really well there, mate. I left my camera on for way too long as well. I'm sorry. That's thrown us off. I'm good now. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, again, sorry for the. <laughs> his eyes are so watery right now. Look at him. And he still goes for his drink. He's probably going to do it all over again. No, <laughs> I was listening to you, Joe. Everything you said was absolutely spot on. I think um, pausing is being absent for that series was, it was a shame really, because I think it would have made for such, even it already was quite a competitive series, but him being there would have maybe even turned the tide the Mavericks way. No, I was going to say, touching on that, I feel like, the, the Mavericks could have potentially won that series, I think, for me, because I think they, they saw a weakness in the Clippers and they they could have, how Luca was playing, he needed someone out there because sometimes we, we all know that a person can't do it on their own. Even the greatest players in the world, they can't do it on their own. They need some support. And if hopefully Kristaps Pazingas can obviously stay fit, which is very unlikely because he is quite injury prone. But if he's one of those types of players that can stay fit and be that second person for Luca, I feel like Luca can really, really thrive for them and be a great for the Mavericks, basically. And I feel like that it's a shame that how it ended for them because I feel like they could have beaten the Clippers in that series. Yeah, I think, I think the thing they did against the Clippers and the Nuggets did it as well, the Clippers have a lot of guys, what I call like one-on-one players. Obviously, both of their stars are guys who win one-on-one, especially in the mid-range. But then you've got Lou, Harrell, and Mark Morris was awful in that series. But all three of those guys, they like to go 1v1, ISO, fadeaways, post-starts, whatever you whatever you want to do. But Dallas made sure they kind of congested the court. They turned it into that 1v1s. And that doesn't win you a championship, in my opinion. You need to move the ball. You need to move your players. 
you need to be unselfish, you need to cut, um, and you need to be happy not scoring a basket for five minutes if you're a role player. Well, you know, the Clippers also had multiple guys you could pick on. They were putting Lou and Harrell in pick and rolls pretty much every play. And even guys like Trey Burke were going to work, just the Dallas role players. So, so yeah, I think yeah, Dallas are well set up to win. And I think last year's series against the Clippers, they showed that they belong in the playoffs. And that's obviously before they made more moves to shore up the defence. I think, obviously, that the, one of the highlights of the whole bubble, the, the playoffs in general, was was Doncic's step step back buzzer beater, wasn't it? Absolutely incredible. What was your, what was your reaction to that in, in the moment? Yeah, it was one of my most memorable playoff moments in sort of the nine, nine ten years I've watched the league. Um, it just, the thing with that game was I just remember Clippers kind of kept getting back into it. And I was thinking that even though it was close, Dallas deserves to win this game. So it was great they were able to do it. But he's, um, you know, he took it, he took a jump this year. I don't think he should have won most improved player. Um, I would have given it Jared nodding along Graham. with you there. Jared completely agreed I'm with you. Full agreement with you, Joe, but you, te- you tell us why. Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, he even said it himself. He made a jump from all-star level to like next all-star level. Devontae Graham went from a guy that no one had heard of. I mean, I, I drafted him in the, in the last round of one of my fancy leagues last year. <laughs> And in wow. the comments, people were like, who the hell is Devon Graham? Who is this guy? <laughs> and he, so he came from that to average. I think he averaged 20 points per game, uh, carried the Charlotte Hornets, had some big games. So, yeah, the thing with Luca was like, he did take a jump, but I think people overrated the jump just because Dallas made the playoffs. The team got better. I don't think he got, he, he got better. Okay. He improved a lot, but not to the point. Yeah, kind of what I'm getting at is he was incredible in his rookie year. He was historic in his rookie year. But I think, you know, the step he's got to take next, he's got to improve the defense. You know, he's got the size, so there's no like Trey Young is six foot. Doncic mm. is big enough. He's got he's got enough of a frame to not be as as bullied defensively as he is. So that's the key. Also maybe pushing the shooting numbers up a little bit in terms of efficiency. But you know, either way, this is a team built to win. And the thing they've done, which Houston never did for me is they keep the role players involved with a nice offense. They don't just go Doncic ISO. They run a lot of Doncic ISO and pick and roll, but they have other stuff they do. And I think that's part of why they've been so good in the last year. Yeah, I think they're certainly set up to, to be a, a very exciting team for, for this upcoming season. Um, I've just looking at my um, fantasy roster. I'm hoping that Harry Giles III is this season's Devontae Graham and ends up being a, a fringe all-star player that would do me for my fantasy team. So let's talk about what the Mavericks have done in the off-season. Uh, obviously, there has been uh, some some player movement. Uh, nothing nothing massive, would you say? Or do you think there's been something that's been a bit of a sleeper, uh, impressive uh, free agent or trade move that's been made? I would agree that I think everyone was expecting them to go for a third star, but I think they are making the run at Yanis next year because they're one of only, I believe, I believe Keith Smith did his cap projections. They're only one of eight teams he projects to have any cap space. So they're going to make a run at Yanis. But I think the thing they did, right, their, their offense was the highest recorded offense by the numbers, in, not just in the league, in NBA history. They needed defense. They went out and got Josh Richardson. But the thing with Jay Rich is he doesn't sacrifice offense because he is a good shooter. So they targeted players who they went for three and D basically because they know that they've got obviously Doncic and Porzingis. They got Hardaway who can do a bit of creation. Uh, they got Trey Burke off the bench who they're going to use a lot this year for that creation. Uh, they got Jay Rich who is an excellent defender. You know, one of I'd have him probably top thirty in the league in terms of his defense. I think he impacts the game. And their draft pick fitted the same bill as well. Josh Green. You know, Josh Green. He wasn't an exciting pick. You know, I think Dallas fans, I mean, they, they chose Tyrell Terry and after who he's the definition of exciting pick. He's going to be a flamethrower. But with Josh Green, they just targeted a guy who's going to improve the defense from day one. You know, he's pro-ready. Uh, he's looked good in preseason, albeit it's preseason, but he's, he's already making a difference on that end. So, you know, they got multiple guys now that they can throw out there and, you know, their bigs are very good defensively. They needed defensive guards and that's what they went out and got. They're not, there's, you know, I don't think Bleacher Report or ESPN made any, um, you know, graphics of the Mavericks off season, but it was, it did the job. It did the job. I think what's it called? 
if I'm sitting there and I'm Yannis Antetokounmpo, he's probably looking about so many decisions to think about next year. Is he going to stay and get his supermax? Is he going to join so many teams that want Because it feels like majority of teams now, they're building on Yannis. They're trying their best to get Yannis. A lot of teams are trying to work out, figuring out how they're going to get them. And that combination of Luca and Yannis could be incredibly deadly. I've never even thought about it. I never considered Dallas as a destination for Yannis, but potentially could happen, maybe. That would be a threat. Luca and Yannis and Compo, oh my days, that would be scary. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's Stefan KD level. Mm. And the thing with it is, as well, is that they're both young. Whereas KD, he was going there when he was, I mean, I'm not saying KD was old when he went there or passed his best, but like he'd already been a star elsewhere and he was, you know, getting into the latter years of his career. Whereas these two, yeah, they're both young and they could theoretically play together for the next 10 years. And that's quite a scary thought because all you need to think about is a pick and roll between those two. You've got Lucas step back, you've got the passing, but then you've got Yanis who is superhuman on lobs. Um, you know, he can take he'll he'll take two steps to get from the three point line to the to the bucket. You know, having those two together, you can do what you want in the other three positions. You've is got like those a, two. Is it like a Kobe and Shaq? Is it is it yeah. is it is it is it far to say Kobe and Shaq potentially? The shape, um, the shape of it. I mean I, I think I think compared to the rest of the league, yeah. Um I mean Kobe and Shaq are top 10 players all time yeah I mean Doncic may finish in the top 10 I don't think Giannis will Mm. as much as I like him but it's it's definitely in terms of like what it means for the league yeah it is that level it's Mm. kind of it's very much there will be teams who react to that and go right if anyone's like on the verge of a rebuild if those two team up they're going yeah let's just rebuild (laughs) because we're not going to retool and win against them you know we need to rebuild tank and try and get the next best prospect so yeah, that'd be the kind of move it would be. You've got to wonder, though. You have to ask the question: Is the, I think the only reason, maybe? I mean, this might be me being harsh on on Dallas, but you'd have to imagine the only reason Giannis is picking Dallas. It's got to be the the Texas tax free, like the tax haven status of of playing in Texas. But then that also raises the question: well, If he's just in it for the money. It's got to be the supermax. It's yeah. tough to tough to see them having the appeal to it for a superstar free agent like that. Well, I think Luca's the draw. You know, I think that's because you know, Dallas are infamous for always striking out on free agents. There's obviously the famous DeAndre Jordan incident <laughs> yeah. where he changes my last minute and Mark Cuban's driving around trying to find him. Um, and then they end up with Wes Matthews. And as much as I liked Wes Matthews in his prime, they were paying him 20 million a year. When you're paying a guy 20 million a year, you're expecting him to be a top three player on a championship team. Well, he wasn't, but that's what they had to do. They had to overpay to get him, Harrison Barnes, Chandler Parsons. Yeah, they went after as well. Like those are the kind of guys they ended up with. So, but with Luca now, I'm not saying Dirk wasn't a draw, but Luca's a different kind of a draw, I think, because he's there for a long time. He's going to facilitate the ball as well, which Dirk didn't do. Uh, I just think he's he's such a draw. And I think every year, you know, Rick Carlisle proves that he's, if not the best coach in the league, he's in the top three or four. And I just think, you know, Ron Artest did a or met a world piece, whatever he's called now. He um he did a tweet the other day that was like, he put a picture of Rick Carlisle and he said, if you listen to this guy, you will have a killer career. You know, I was all NBA 13 with him. Um, and then obviously Malice at the Palace happened. Um, so... You know, I think Rick Rick is a draw as well because they're set up. They're they're not just an they're not an amateur team who are, you know, like LeBron with the first time with the Cavs. This isn't an amateur team who's who a talent fell into their lap. This is a team that knows how to win, and they know what they're doing on and off the court. With that being said, then Joe, what are your expectations for the uh, upcoming season? Obviously, you've mentioned that they're going to take another step. Um, how far could you see the Mavericks going this year? I think the minimum expectation, unless there's loads of injuries, needs to be to win a playoff series. I think that for me is minimum expectation um, because this team is good enough to do it. As I said last year, like they 
they were close against the Clippers, even with Paul Zingas out. Well, he is out until January, but it looks like he's going to be back then. They'll take it easy with him as well. They got a nice front court rotation with Dwight Powell and uh, and Maxi Kleber, Willie Cauley Stein, all those guys in there. So that needs to, for me to be the minute expectation, unless Paul Zingas misses loads of time or you know Hardaway or whoever it is gets injured. Well, I but I would also my minute expectation isn't far away from my realistic. I think. I don't think they can win a championship. I think if they made the conference finals, I just, I don't know. I don't see them winning a conference finals. I just don't think they've got enough firepower and experience across the whole roster. But yeah, they're absolutely a walking playoff team. And I think they should be pushing for a top four seed, which would give them home advantage this year. That should be the minimum expectation. Um, what do you think about Doncic's MVP chances, Joe? Because um, he's my, as our listeners will know, he's my pick for uh, MVP this year. What do you say to to that idea? Yeah, he's also my pick. Uh, I think Giannis, there is a chance Giannis plays better than him, but I, I do believe in voter fatigue. Yeah, 100%. I don't think he'll win. I don't think he'll win it three times in a row unless he comes out hitting threes regularly. And I don't think that's going to happen because that's just... It's not his game. You can't just force anyone to shoot threes. So, yeah, I I think Doncic is, especially if LeBron load manages, it sounds like Kawhi's probably still going to load manage. I would have Doncic as a front runner, Dark Horse. I would have someone like Trey Young. It's going to be someone... Kevin Durant! (laughs) Kevin Durant! The the thing with KD's um, chances is he's got the comeback player kind of... Or He's got the narrative, well. narrative, yeah, yeah, the narrative, and there are unfortunately there are a lot of narrative-based voters. So he's got that in his locker. But I, I would have Doncic. I don't know what Sky Bear or William Hill or whoever have, but I would have him as the favourite. Just gut instinct. I think he's he's going to put up a lot of triple doubles, and I think he's. I think Dallas will win a lot more games, and though that will be because their clutch stats improve. They'll, people will say, oh, it's because Doncic got better. So I think he's got the chance. Yeah. So looking at the sort of starting lineup uh, for the Mavericks and the sort of main bench rotation, who do you see being sort of key pieces um, for a potential playoff run? As well as obviously Doncic pausing, guess who else fits in that starting five and bench team for you? So for me, the start the starting lineup, if everyone is healthy, would be Doncic, Hardaway, um, Finney Smith, Porzingis, Powell. Um, I think in the deeper playoff runs, they could run a very nice defensive unit with Doncic, and then you could have Richardson, Josh Green, Finney Smith, and then Porzingis at the five. The, the thing with Dallas is they can go big and they can go small, and that's really important. If they want to go ultra big, they can put Boban in there. And <laughs> as much as people like to laugh at Boban, and you know he's kind of a meme because he was in John Wick and all that, but he's actually when he's on the court, mm. people don't know what to do because he's so big. You yeah. can't go small because he's quite skilled for his size. I don't think people always realize that he's not some like brute. He's he's skilled. He's got he's got some good post hooks, probably because he's literally standing next to the basket. <laughs> but you know, he's a you know, they've got a lot of options. But I think the keys to a playoff run will be Jay Rich and Josh Green. I'm backing Josh Green to have a very good rookie year. Um even if he only plays like 10, 12 minutes a game, they're gonna be really important because he he's the thing that struck me in their first preseason game is how well he defended through screens. You know, if teams were trying to put him in a pick and roll, he was just if he was on 2K, he'd have the pick dodger badge <laughs> because, you know, he he's just, you know, it's like they're not there. He's just fighting through them. And they that's what they missed last year. None of their defenders were awful, but none of them were difference makers. Well, now you've got those two. And a guy to watch as a sleeper is Tyler Bay. They took him. They got him in the Seth Curry trade from Philadelphia. Uh, he was an excellent defender in college. The question mark over him was basically his usage on offense was like post-ups. No one's running post-ups in the NBA anymore. How did you feel about Seth Curry leaving? I get why they did it. Like they, I think Dallas saw like their offense was the best in the league. So Seth Curry's three-point percentage, I believe, was about 43 44%. Jay Richards was about 36 So, yes, that's an, eight, that's an 8% drop-off. Uh, but they would say, well, actually, though, he's going to make our defense better. And we can get the shooting from Tim Hardaway, Tyrell Terry, Trey Burke, all those guys. So I think they just looked at it as the offense will get marginally worse 
I'm only asking. I'm only asking because in some person, in some people's views, he's a better shooter than uh, Steph, Steph. You know, I'm just saying certain Joe, members. I'm sure, of this, I'm sure you as a, members of this pod, over the, having watched him over the last couple of seasons, Joe, and being the knowledgeable man that you are, I'm sure you can back me up that statistically, Seth Curry is a better shooter than Steph. Seth Curry better than Steph, people, ladies and gentlemen. He said it again. Statistically. I mean, statistically, yeah, I can't argue with that. I guess the difference is volume, you know. Steph exactly, is, yeah. And Steph's probably getting more attention as well. But, I mean, the thing with Steph is, like, he's... When he's when he kind of broke into the league, people were just like, oh, he's Steph Curry's brother. And I'm thinking... I even thought at the time, this isn't me going back and doing, like, revisionist history, but I used to say, like, this guy's a good player. When yeah. he was on Sacramento, he was good. He just, He's limited. He's He can only really shoot. But that's a valuable skill, and he's... He's made a niece for himself away from his brother. He's not just Steph Curry's brother anymore. He's going to be, he was on a great team last year. I expect Philadelphia to be good this year. So, yeah, he's hopefully going to get a little bit more respect from the masses. Yeah, Vinny. No, no, listen, <laughs> I, I've, I'm asking that question because I rate Seth Curry. I think he's a great player. That's why I've said, do you, what do you think about him leaving? But I don't think he's a better shooter than Steph. But you're saying the statistics say he is, so the statistics know everything. So I guess it must be that. Who's <laughs> the brains of the podcast now, eh, Theo? Exactly. Yeah, hey. wow. <laughs> exactly. All I'm going to call you Stato now, Steph. I mean, if it's Theo, Stato. That's what I'm calling you, Stato. What a turn up for the box this is. Joe, it's been an absolutely brilliant conversation. We can tell how, how clued up you are, how plugged in you are with it, with the Dallas Mavericks franchise. Um, what, What's worth knowing about the Dallas Mavericks, you know it all. Anything not worth knowing, you know it. I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. But no, thank you so much again for We know for what you're trying to say, Jared, and you did a great job, Ed and Jared. I'm glad that somebody does, because I certainly don't. But no, thanks for making the time for jumping on with us, Joe. Before you go, though, um, plug yourself. Tell the listeners where they can find all your fine work covering the Dallas Mavericks and the rest of the league. Yeah, so my Twitter handle is um, at Joe Holbert, M-B-A-H-U-L-B-E-R-T. Um, I most of my tweets are about the Mavericks or their film clips a little bit of Man City ranting in there sometimes <laughs> um, mainly about Ilkay Gundogan but um, <laughs> yeah and you can find my work at the MFFLs which stands for Mavericks Fans for Life so I'm going to be uh, doing all my Mavericks work there Hey Joe I, I, I try being an Arsenal fan and a Houston Rockets fan and then you, then you can know about <laughs> ranting. Then you know about ranting. But anyway, thank you, brother, for joining us. No, no problem. Yeah. We'll catch you again soon, Joe. Thanks again. Take care. Take care. Next up, we have another member of the NBA in the UK community, valued member. We've got Matt from Sun from the Phoenix Suns fan page. Matt, how are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Yeah, cheers for having me. No worries. No, thanks for making the time for us. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. As I've just said, uh, Matt is from at Suns Fans UK on Twitter. Um, so as you can probably guess, he's a Phoenix Suns fan. So Matt, how did that come about? Uh, a man, a, a lad from Kent becoming a fan of a team from Phoenix, Arizona. Talk us through that one. Um, well, I started to learn to play when I was nine. Um, and the person that taught me, they supported the Suns. And obviously, you know, it's like, it's the only person I knew that knew basketball. So you just follow suit a bit like you do with your football teams. Like if your dad supports, so you end up following them. Um, and then we signed. So that was when we had like Jason Kidd. Um, Cause I remember seeing it on the Sky Sports sort of startup bit. Um, and then when we signed Steve Nash, I was 14. So, you know, prime sort of basketball age, like going out playing and that. Um, so yeah, it's just, just since then the good times were good. And then it's been, yeah, a bad sort of 10 years or so. But. <laughs> it's getting there. It's on the uptick. It's on the uptick. We'll get into all that. Um, but I've got to ask you about the the seven seconds or less, Suns. Um, have you forgiven Robert Horry yet for the for the shove in the no. playoff series against the Spurs? Definitely no. not. No. no. No, honestly, we would have won that year, without a doubt. Because the finals really that year was us versus Spurs. We were the two best teams in the league. Um so who you know they went on to win it, which just proves it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, never forgive him. Well, he was in our bad books anyway for what he did for the half season he was with us. Um, he pretty much I can't remember he threw a towel. I think I think it was Danny Ainge was our coach at the time. 
and so on. And a couple weeks later, he was traded for Jason Kidd. So some good came of it. But. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously that was such a sort of highlight in the the history of the, of the Phoenix Suns franchise. Mm. Um, being sort of introduced to the league at the time where Steve Nash was was on the rise, would you say he's your favourite son of all time? Yeah, and him and Amari Stoudemire. I swear Booker's making his way up there just with how great he's becoming as well. But yeah, all time, it's, uh, it's those two. Theo's eyebrows are giving it absolute stacks on <laughs> around the Zoom talking about his Brooklyn Nets coach. There we go. We oh, are two oh, minutes two in there straight away. I go. didn't mention it. I didn't mention yeah, the thing. I know. I, I, I just, I just hear, I just hear <sighs> Nets coaches. Oh Started my uh, and my eyebrows just go. I can't control myself. It's not my <laughs> fault. Do you, you purposely do this, Phil? Can I ask? Do you purposely do this? Talking about. Do you I didn't purposely? Word. Wow. Okay. Did my lips yeah. move? No. Do you know? Do you know what the worst thing is? They're just so relevant. He's just he's just been babysat by the BK to UK pod. Did me and Vinny an absolute solid babysat Theo for an hour. He got to get all his Nets talk out there, and he still brings it up. We're talking about Phoenix. We're exactly, it's Matt's exactly. pod. What did we That's, say? It's Matt's pod. The Nets this are practically, the criteria. Nets practically are Phoenix now. Yeah, I think the Amari Sadamar coaching gig is a bit of an odd one. Mm. I wouldn't ever say he was the sort of player where people would go to him. Um, he's not historically the most mature guy um but yeah maybe maybe he thought well he used to play the pick and roll really well so Jarrett allen i suppose yeah. uh, well, if you think if you think help in that area so if you think about it of all the players in the league who are probably going to bathe in wine probably going to be Kyrie irving so there's that yeah. connection a wine <laughs> bath <laughs> yeah so um what is it that led to you matt starting up a fan page to try and get some uh, sort of community going amongst the phoenix suns fans over here in the uk well i started one like years ago when i first joined twitter i think my page actually says it's like 2013 um but what actually happened was i started it and all i ended up doing was just retweeting the phoenix suns because there was just nothing out there um so i stopped it because we've work and everything like that just sort of weren't important and then my job changed and I was able to sort of take the time to start listening to podcasts so I was getting in there's there's so many Phoenix Suns podcasts it's ridiculous um for such a sort of small market team and a well recently unsuccessful team there are so many the fans love them over there um and I was just sort of like wanted to get involved in the conversation and I, I could have from my own Twitter but I was just like oh, I used to do that let's let's start that up again um and and then yeah I mean it's it's coincided quite well with the lockdown i think the nba community has grown hugely um even like in the two years i've been back doing it um and yeah it really was just that it was i i used to label it as like i'm the only Suns fan in the uk <laughs> um trying to find some others and that um and it, and it yeah it was just that just a, i was just like i'm like the only one here um i'm sure there's more out there i want to be able to chat to people about it um and yeah, actually, there's there's quite a few, um, more than I thought. But yeah, it's it's been really good. Um, I really enjoy. It. I recently launched a website, um, yeah, just to get the longer stuff out there. Um, cause it's it's quite hard to do it on. Yeah, two hundred two hundred eighty characters isn't always enough to uh, to write what you want to say, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, and yeah, I've got you know someone from the community asked if they could join in as well, so they're writing with me as well, and and that's exactly why I did it. No, you know just to to be able to have those chats with people that's awesome man no it's good to hear and we certainly valued member of, of the community i know you did a lot of work recently to sort of uh, promote sort of other fan pages um other podcasts you know you, you've, you've done a really good job uh doing that so yeah we certainly appreciate all that you do and we're glad that you've been able to find out that you're not the only phoenix suns fan yeah um and I think if there's any if there's any new fans who perhaps with the pandemic and everything they were looking for a sport to watch and they watched the bubble, I think Phoenix would probably have been a quite quite an uplifting, exciting team to watch with a young star like Devin Booker. Um, yeah. What what were your thoughts on on all that went on last season and and especially that that perfect record down in Orlando? Uh, so yeah, I mean there was pretty high hopes going into the season. Um, I think everyone knew that. <laughs> the Aaron Bain signing was going to be sort of like a really unheralded signing, but really beneficial for DeAndre Ayton. And it was, um, he developed tremendously on the defensive end. Um, it does, you, we don't really see it very often because obviously the, the media coverage isn't great for Phoenix. Um, 
but he's he's got that real sort of thought process of I'm going to jump straight up, which is quite hard to get, especially for someone that's only just going into their third year. He was doing that pretty much all season. And I think a lot of it's due with obviously the coaching staff getting him to focus on that. Um, I don't know if you've heard him in interviews, but he's not the most sort of like focused guy. He's easily distracted, really excitable. So to, for them to get into focus, and I think, just think Aaron Baines was such a huge part of that. Every time out, you'd see Baines go straight to him to talk to him and things like that. So that was really good. That was game one. Um, and then obviously he had the uh, PD test failure, which I think is just ridiculous. I, I don't know if the Suns have like a sort of, they have to be at a certain weight or anything at the beginning of the season or gave him that target. And he was get, getting to the end of the summer was a bit like, oh, I'm sort of mm. a few pounds over. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take this diuretic. But yeah, that backfired really. Because I, I mean, we missed the playoffs by one game in the end. So the start we had, even without him, just shows that you know we I think we'd have definitely been in a more secure position, not actually fighting for a playoff spot at the end there. Um, Booker was great. He averaged similar points to what he did the year before, but his efficiency was up by a few percentage points, which is I think the real big difference. And the reason for that was the signing of Ricky Rubio. Um, Booker had the ball in his hands less, which allowed him to actually play his natural position of a shooting guard. So he had a lot more catch and shoot opportunities. Whereas the season before, I think he had um, the percentages were ridiculous, but he had way more sort of pull up jump shots from three than he had catch and shoot. And it's just because we had no guards to provide him. Um, he was doing that. Um, so that, that was really good. Then we had a dip period. Um, Baines himself got injured around the same time that Aiton came back from his suspension so he didn't have a lot of time to sort of bed himself back into the team. I think Dario got injured. Ruby had some niggles. So did Booker. Um, Ruby had a few, a few, I think two or three games off because he had a child and then he came back. Um, and then we started hitting our stride in, in March. I think we finished March well, when, when everything ended. I think we were on a three-game winning streak. That might be a slight exaggeration too, I think. Um, so things were starting to come together and the break happened. Um, and then, yeah, the, the bubble. Wow. Um, I did not expect it at all. Um, I was, I remember talking to someone, I was like, I think the best we'll get is a 5-3. I will win five, sort of lose three. And, you know, that'll be it sort of thing. It'll be great that we're there. We'll get really good attention. The media coverage is obviously, it's the only sport being played for a period in the world. Um, so that'll be really, really good. Because I think everyone knew that Booker would show out. I think it was just obvious, like, the, the games that are most important to him are the ones that are for him to actually be competitive and potentially get to the playoffs and win. And those yeah. were those games. Mm. Um, but yeah, what, you know, watching each game, it was just crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I actually sat down with my son last weekend and we watched the Clippers game again, cause he hadn't seen it. I showed him clips of it. He's nine. Um, oh. So that's sort of like, I'm hoping that'll be sort of like, he always yeah, speak yeah. back and be like, oh yeah, the first Suns game I Memory. watched was Booker's uh, game winner over the Clippers. So yeah, but no, it was really, really good. And I think without that bubble run, we wouldn't have seen the moves that have happened in this off season. Uh, I think it was a great advert, just a massive billboard basically. I think like I'm always saying, the Phoenix Suns being my second team, I, I, I passionately bleed uh, Arizona all till I die. Um <laughs> Have I said that right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Anywho, but Ali boy, <laughs> I was gonna say with Devin Booker, I feel like people have always kind of—I don't know—to me personally, I've underrated him. I've always kind of underestimated what he can actually do as a player, and I, I've always kind of rooted for him. Before our preseason bubble, I was always kind of saying like, "Look, don't don't sleep on Devin Booker. This kid is amazing. He's a, he's a talented, tired baller." And I feel like with Devin Booker. He's always been kind of people go, oh, he's not the finished article, but people kind of forget what he's capable of. But he's proven it, especially in that bubble period where he was fighting for his life to get into the playoffs because he's been asking for ages now. He's been wanting for ages to make it to the playoffs and he was just pushing himself to the limit. And I feel like this was the turning point for him to say, look, 
you see what I'm capable of. I can't do this by myself. If I don't get a decent player coming into this team, like I wanted D'Lo, Theo would know. They want, he wanted a D'Lo player with him. If I don't get a decent player coming with me, I want to bounce. And I feel like the signing of Chris Paul, obviously we'll touch on that in a minute, but with the signing of Chris Paul made a massive difference for them. But I feel like with Devin Booker, people have always kind of underestimated what he's capable of. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, he always gets compared to like um, Donovan Mitchell, but the, for me, the, there's no conversation there. Um, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I, if the entire duration I've been a basketball fan, I have never once been able to tell Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker apart. And I always <laughs> think Donovan Mitchell plays on, on the Suns. Um, Are you talking about the looks-wise? No, no, no. Just as a, oh, just as a player, I feel right. like to the untrained eye, I think they've got a very, they're a very similar kind of player. Yeah, I, I don't. They come into the year, the league at a similar sort of time. Um, uh, so just something about it is conspired. To... I think it's just that like they're similar position, round, you know, similar age because Booker came in at a young age, hmm. um, and just sort of that. You, you know, it happens, didn't it? They get compared all the time, sort of thing. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's all right, Matt. You are allowed to tell him that he's he's being completely stupid by getting oh, confused. Devin Booker's miles better than Devin. Sorry, it's, not miles, it's not okay. Not miles better. Sorry, that's harsh to say on, on Devin or on Devin, Donovan Mitchell. He's not miles better, no. but I feel Devin Booker is better. Yeah, yeah I think Not it's. Um, I think it's just he's good, Donovan Mitchell. Don't get me wrong, but he's sort of like that Wade. I feel he's more Dwayne Wade, whereas. Booker is more Kobe-esque game-wise. Not obviously, I don't think they ever get to. Either may not get to those levels, but game-wise, I think it's like that when you compare them. Um, but That's yeah, great I think comp, that. I like that. That's really good. Yeah, I just think I think the I think Booker plays with his brain, whereas Donovan Mitchell is a bit more athletic um, and uses you know he does massive dunks sort of thing, and, he, yeah. and that's great. Um, but Booker could not could probably get 35 without driving to the hoop at all a whole game um but yeah i think he's been underestimated just because of the the market and phoenix being a terrible franchise the last 10 years terribly run um i mean other players have always respected him it's just the media that doesn't the media makes no money out of talking about phoenix so that's probably why you know what i found out recently about what was going to happen with the phoenix suns Jason Tatum wanted to be traded, drafted by yeah. the Phoenix Suns. He actually wanted to go to Phoenix more than the Celtics. He, he preferred because I think he he went on a trip or something, and he preferred to go to the Phoenix Suns than than Celtics. So just imagine what could have been Devin Booker and Jason Tatum together. That could have been a deadly threat. Yeah, absolutely, and it just shows how rubbish our front office was because they knew if they wanted him, they'd have to trade up, and they weren't able to pull it off. Mm. And and that's the for that right because he I mean, wanted to join the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. He actually wanted. It was it's, it's crazy how he he said, "I want to go to the Suns. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to go to Suns." Yeah, he said in an interview that he was saying to his mum about yeah. it. He was like, "Yeah, mum, I I, like, I want to go there. Yeah, um, I want to play with Devin Booker and that." But yeah, it was just terribly run. But since we've had Champ on board, James Jones uh, running the office, it seems to be good. There's a lot of talk about culture, um, and it seems to be paying off. You can read about that on the website. Um, <laughs> yeah, plug, plug yourself, plug, plug it. it. Tell everyone um, where to go. Yeah, it was just um, it was just looking at all of the media availability stuff, like watching all the videos because the sun's uploading all like everything that comes out of Monty Williams and James Jones's mouth is culture. And I think they know, being former players, that the guys talk. And I I think they knew that Phoenix was not in anyone's good books because of the way it was run. Uh, we've probably got the second worst owner. Um, he, he does spend and things, but at the same time, it's he was a bit like a Dolan where he'd never had any experience of basketball before. He was just a fan and yeah. he'd get involved. But it seems like he's finally found a front office staff where he can trust them. Because I think James Jones has got really close to Sava when he was a player for the Suns. So him coming in, being groomed to be that next guy, and it, it seems like Sava's let him go on and, and do what needs to be done. That 
that dovetails nice. So that's where we're going. Obviously, Phoenix. I mean, you said that they won the two games prior to the pandemic. They went eight and zero in the bubble. They're on a ten game win streak, and they've had quite an exciting off season. Um, yeah. You've mentioned some players earlier who were quite important in last season that had left the franchise in Aaron Baines and Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Uh, but we want to focus more on who's come through the door. Um, so talk us through the off season and obviously that incredible Chris Paul trade that not many people saw coming, I don't think. No, definitely not. I mean, there was, there was kind of, you know, like when you're on Twitter, there's just like conversations and that. And I think someone put out a, um, a poll and it was like, would you rather have Chris Paul and a uh, campaign as your sort of one and two sort of backup or would you have, rather have Rubio and like Dinwiddie? And I was like, well, one, it's never going to happen, but I'd rather, because the drop off between Chris Paul and Cameron Peck is a lot bigger than Rubio and Dinwiddie. Um, so I, I, you know, I voted for Dinwiddie, but as soon as I heard Chris Paul, I was like, get that poll. I'm all on board. Like, <laughs> bring on Chris Paul. Um, he's always been one of my favourite players. Um, I think playing point guard because I'm always the shortest person on the court. You end up liking those players, and he was. <laughs> Me too. Me yeah, too. Exactly. Mark gets in. <laughs> well, I can't dribble or anything. I can only shoot. So. Me neither. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think he was compared a lot to Steve Nash when he came in, and there was a couple of games as. Uh, I think Paul scored like he's at the time career high against Steve Nash. It was quite, it was a good game. I think you see it on YouTube. Um, so yeah, it was always, like, it was, you know, just great. And I just, for me, I was just like, if he got OKC last year to the playoffs, which if you look at the rest of the roster, it weren't the only player they had of note was SGA and Steven Adams, both players who I don't think at the time when they, when they were there, you really say, okay, we can build around you guys. We can get a playoff team off it. And he just wheeled them to the playoffs. Um, I would recommend the interview that Chris Paul just did on JJ Reddick's podcast. The old man in the tree. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. He spoke about that. Or is um, it a tree? Or is it a three or tree? I think, I think it's I three. three. <laughs> good pod. I watched it as well, buddy. I watched it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. It was interesting to hear them talk sort of like, about a bit like X's and O's, but what's so funny, Jared? I'm, I'm sorry, Matt. Matt, Jared's laughing his head off. I don't understand. What's so funny, Jared? Just laughing that they'd call the podcast the old man in the tree. <laughs> I know. I don't get Listen, it. Listen, okay. I'm I sorry, okay. I, I, I thought it, I, I remember something like tree three. I forget, okay. I'm sorry. Jared. Oh, sorry. That's English isn't his first language. Jared. Yes, English <laughs> is not my first language, <laughs> okay. Mia culpa. Sorry. Carry on, Matt. Sorry, mate. But yeah, he goes into in-depth stuff about what's going on and that. And uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I don't I don't go on too much. It's quite nice and refreshing to hear something slightly different because I don't go on about, oh, why did you choose to go to Phoenix and all that sort of stuff. It's more, they are just kind of having a basketball chat. And I think those two guys, they're the sort of people that even when they're together, because they're really good friends, apparently, they do just have basketball chats anyway. So it was a bit like that. But yeah, I'd recommend that. It was really good. He was going on about how even when he, when he was asked about where to kind of go. He wanted to go play with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. That's the main reason he wanted to join them. And he felt like he still feels like he's young. He doesn't feel, consider himself like an old man. He yeah. still feels himself as a young person and he doesn't want to be like on the bench. He wants to be starting. If he's fit, he wants to be starting. So he knew the best place for him was to go to the Suns because he could tell something, they're building on something with the Suns. And I feel like they knew that he could bring something for Devin Booker because we all know your main player obviously DeAndre Ayton is a brilliant player he was injury he's injury prone obviously he had a bit of a we don't know what he's fully capable of but we all know what Devin Booker is mm -hmm. and he's your main guy and I feel like the Suns are basically trying to keep him happy by saying we'll bring in Chris Paul we can push you to the playoffs but also you can pick up a few things from Chris Paul work on your mid-range shot work on your your basketball IQ yeah. because I feel like that's exactly what Chris Paul is going to bring and help him because he will elevate Devin Booker I personally think yeah definitely I think he's going to elevate a lot of the players I actually noticed in the um, pre-season game against Utah the first one um, the second one's tonight as of recording um, Cameron Payne was running point and he did a pick and roll and he did um, Chris Paul's like cutback so took the ball round cut back a little bit and that's after like a week in training camp. And I think campaign, I think I saw a comment today. There was a quote from him saying that, yeah, that, that was on purpose. He wants to imitate Chris Paul in those situations. Um, I think 
Booker is kind of set. He just needs to sort of do what he's doing and elevate it a bit more. Um, I think the biggest benefactor is Aiton. Um, yeah, as we said earlier, he's like, he, he talks the talk, but he doesn't always walk the walk. Um, I've, I've said so many times, can I just sit him on YouTube and just let him watch the Mamari Stadamaya sort of highlights? <laughs> just Because he is just as athletic, bigger, better defender, I would say, even at this stage of his career. Um, and he he started adding some spin moves and stuff, but there was a point in the game and they pointed it out on the, I can't remember what podcast it was. They've pointed it out somewhere. I haven't seen this myself. I've, I've stolen it, but basically he got the ball under the hoop and he was open and the bench stood up ready for him to sort of like fry it down. And he just laid it in like, why you're seven foot. Why are you just laying it in? There's no one around you. So there's a bit of that there. Um, Cause I think it's just a psychological side. So even, you know, even if there's no one around you, sort of, if you can deflate the other team, even in a preseason game, you should do it. I just don't get hurts do dunking though. Maybe scared of dunking. Maybe it hurts. <laughs> look, dunking hurts. Maybe I don't know. Oh yeah. You know, don't even, when Listen, you're always I, I'm a baller, Jared. I'm a baller. Okay. I'm going to say it on my chest. I'm a baller. Okay. <laughs> there. It hurts dunking. No, I, I love I love the Chris Paul pickup for the Suns, and um, obviously yeah. on our on our recent sort of uh, season preview pod, Vinny went with Booker for most improved. I think Aiton's going to go for most improved. I think he's going to have a phenomenal impact on on the Suns as a whole. Um, and you've mentioned a player there in Cameron Payne, who mm. also is obviously going to learn a lot from him uh, with that sort of veteran leadership. Um, exciting young stars to build around what are your expectations for phoenix this season you, you've got to be thinking playoffs at the very least i think it's playoffs or bust um because you don't sign a player like chris paul if you're not aiming for that so in the media availability um Macau bridges and javon carter just straight out said like we want to be the last team standing is what Macau said um someone said to Javon Carter what's um, realistically like how you're going to be and he was like realistically championship so I don't know if we're quite there yet um, you love to I hear think, it though yeah, yeah absolutely it. and I think if you're a player that's what you should be aiming for like why are you playing if you're not aiming for that um, I know some people have been saying like oh their edge they'll be like 7-8 I, I think we're going to be in the fight for home court in the first round um, I keep going between us and the Mavs four and five. I can't, I quite I haven't quite decided. I think I'm going to be a homer and, and put up as <laughs> four because um, I have to, I want to. But yeah, I think it's it's going to be very very good. Um, the Jay Crowder signing was yeah, that's another massive, yeah. massive. So the thing I know everyone's like, oh, I lost Ubre and everything like that in the trade, but Macau Bridges and Ubre are similar defenders, as in like size. They can both get the smaller wings but they were playing free, the three and the four and that's what Jay Crowder did difference being I think Jay Crowder's got about 20-25 pounds over Macau Bridges so he can deal with those stronger players the guys that are playing power forward like Giannis I mean what he did against him in the in the playoffs was pretty good I mean he's part of the reason that they beat the Bucks, um, and I just think that's a great shout and, and someone who is really well respected around the league like him choosing to come to us and he said that his reason for that is because Devin Booker deserves to be in the playoffs or was that his reason for Jay, Jay Crowder said that yeah he said um, he deserves to be playing for something that, that shows you, you you touched on it then earlier that shows you how much people respect Devin Booker for what he is because yeah. he is That's a player <laughs> he is a baller. He's a Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> he is a baller. He is a dog in the court, and like, and people want to see his greatness fully appreciated by everyone, and see him finally compete in the playoffs. Definitely, definitely. It's uh, it's about time. I think a couple of seasons ago, he was like, I was, yeah. "I'm never gonna." This is the last time I don't hit the playoffs. And at the time, I was like, "Oh, Devin, have you sort of like seen who's around you?" Um, and we didn't make the playoffs, of course. I think we. I think that ended up being our 19-win season, um, which was really disappointing, obviously, for him. So, actually, he and Chris Ball have been very sort of, like, cautious about what they said in media. So, they're like, oh, you know, we're, we're not looking that far ahead yet, one game at a time. Yeah. But he's he's always gone on, along those lines, saying one game at a time. He's, I mean, he's so cool. I, I don't know anyone as cool as him. Like, <laughs> he just sort of, I don't know, oozes it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that, 
re-signing of Darius Sarich was big as well. I know a lot of Philly fans wanted him back, so I took a lot of satisfaction in that him coming back to us because I really liked him. I wanted When there was rumours that he was going to be traded from Philly, I wanted us to get him then. So for us to end up signing him last year, I was like, that's awesome. I don't think he panned out quite how he wanted it, but he really found a niche for himself in the bubble. And you were saying about awards, I think if, if everything goes to plan and we have a regular six-man rotation, that'll be him. And I think he could be sixth man of the year. If he does the same numbers as what he did in the bubble, he'll be, he'll be well in there as with a, with a chance on that. Yeah, it's a top pick. Perhaps a, uh, an under-the-radar pick, maybe not many people are thinking of, but uh, you got got to go for it. you got to bat your guy, Saric, there. Yeah, um, why not? I, th- I think I-, I was just going to bring up when you said about Booker saying a couple of years ago, he's sick of not making the playoffs. This is my last year not making the playoffs. This this has got to be his last year not making the playoffs. If yeah. if if they don't if the Suns don't make this the playoffs this year, then I, I'm sorry, Matt. I don't think they're ever going to make the playoffs with such a <laughs> such a fantastic <laughs> roster as this. We're getting to the point where we're <laughs> almost in a conversation with like the Wolves and the Kings. It's a oh, bit it's a bit worrying. Yeah, but um, we've we've got faith. We've got faith in the Suns. Um, he's got yeah. justification at least. Would you exactly. say that if, if if you if you were to say like I'm bouncing, I need to hand in my trade request. He's got justification. Okay, we understand. We, 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 we you have to leave now for yeah. your future for your career. You have to move on. Yeah, I think we've got the right coach. I think that yeah, helps. That helps um, definitely. I think there was a joke going around like Monty Williams TED talks. I don't know if you've ever heard him do a speech. Not the one at the end of the bubble was was really cool, but just hearing him talk, he's so thoughtful. I mean, you can imagine he's like that. I imagine he just takes a guy to the side and just talks to him for like fifteen minutes. Like, doesn't matter what else is going on. He's he's with that person. I think the guys really respect him. He's really well respected around the league. He's been through so much as well, and he just brings a lot of experience. But I think he's got a real good balance of the X's and O's and the person side of things. Yeah. from what I hear so that that's really good as well and then Excellent. basically Chris Paul being a, another head coach yeah. on the court is just just mental but yeah um, we drafted a guy called Jalen Smith as well I'd never heard of him but um, I think he's Will Smith's son <laughs> he's serious <laughs> I'm just saying I think he's Will Smith's son Jaden Smith <laughs> just saying people <laughs> Look, Jaden... he is serious. Everyone at home, he is serious. Look, Jaden Smith is Will Smith. Sorry, what is he called? That's, that's Jaden. Jaden. Oh, right. I thought I heard Jaden. Sorry, I think, my I think bad. He's into poetry. I think that's kind of what he does. I just heard Jaden Smith, people. Yeah. So wow. <laughs> that's cool. That's good. That's another one. Moving swiftly on. Moving we'll swiftly. Add, we'll add that to Vinny's book. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think he seems to be quite good. I'm a bit worried that we've got. Um, in the in the first preseason game, I don't think he went in the paint. I think he did one layup, and other than that, he kept hovering around the mm. around the three point line, which just reminded me of me playing. So <laughs> I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit worrying. But maybe it's just sort of like first game nerves and stuff. But I think he could be good. He's really athletic, yeah. um, and we've got Damian Jones as well from Atlanta. He's yeah. he's looks like he's got springs in his legs. Don't forget Mike's Cam Johnson as well. Wow, bro. Wow. Yeah. He's I like a, Cam Johnson. Yeah, so do I. I think he's going to be good. Um, he passed up a few open three-pointers in the in the preseason game, which is a bit like, mm, has he been asked to work on other parts of his game sort of thing? But yeah, he's uh, yeah very sharp shooting. He, uh, they always, when he when he comes to Phoenix, it was like, oh yeah, James Jones 2.0. But I think he's going to be a better player than James Jones. He's got, um, he really hustles on D. He's really good rebounder, actually. Um being how skinny he is and stuff. But yeah, that three-point shot is 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 nice. Yeah. Very nice. Excellent. So lots of excitement for the Suns. Um Matt's gonna be there to cover it all. Um, Matt, thank you so much for for buying out the time this evening, jumping on with us. Um just before you go, uh, do tell the listeners uh, where they can find you and be a bit more confident when you're promoting your website. Go. <laughs> Thanks. Um yeah, it's Suns Fans UK. Um, on Twitter and Instagram. I don't do a lot on Instagram. I'm not very good with the old graphics and stuff, but I might put stuff every so often. I, I tend to sort of share bits um, on the stories. Um, but yeah, sunsfansuk.com. Um, it's for my longer stuff. That's, that's over 280 characters. Um, I tend to po- I'm planning to post like once a week, at least during the season, just do sort of like a, a weekly review Um because I haven't got the time to do like a, a game review. Mm. So I'm thinking it sort of be ups and downs from the week before. 
um, so come along, read that. Um, I've still got another person, another Matt, funny enough. He, he writes every so often. He did a good piece on there about um, Stephen Marbury um, after the Kid from Coney Island um, documentary. So yeah, Theo's favorite show. Theo's favorite uh, um, thing he's been watching lately. He's not mentioned Great. it once, has he? It is really good. It is. Theo, you need to say something about the Nets. Come on. <laughs> um, it's Stephen Marbury wasn't very good on the Nets. No, no that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's why he could come over to us, I suppose, <laughs> and made an All Star team. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Matt. Thanks again for coming on. Um, and um, yeah, we'll we'll catch up with you again soon. Uh, thanks very much, mate. Eating sons till I die. Yeah, man. Without a doubt. But yeah, thanks for having me. Keep up the good work, guys. It's really good. Theo, what you saying? Oh, all right, that one. That was good. No, no, not too bad though. Not too bad either. All right, it gets it gets the MTC stamp of approval there. Uh, great pod today. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Um, so we've just had uh, Matt from uh, Sons Fans UK uh, joining us there, um, and prior to that. We had Joe Hilbert um, on Twitter at Joe Hilbert NBA. So go and check them out. Um, keep keep your eyes and ears on the MTC feed. It's a busy week for us. Uh, plenty of season previews, but we're here to guide you along the way. Uh, as of recording, one week to go. It's getting exciting. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been Jared. It's your boy Vincent. You better double me, Theo. Shout out to the boys. <laughs>